This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Kia ora and welcome to the Pet Podcast. Pet is a dark and humorous short story collection that explores our relationships with children, lovers and other animals. The stories in this collection were written by Catherine Van Beek. In episode 10, Heterochromia, an aspiring artist and half-hearted activist, have more in common than they realise, read by Miko Ng. This podcast contains strong language. Please use discretion. Veronica double-checked Bloodbeard's message. As usual, he had no specific hair and makeup requirements, so she'd do her crowd-pleasing Harajuku girl. She got out of bed and headed for the coffee machine. She set the makeup mirror on the bench top and did her face between sips of latte. Unnaturally pale foundation to hide her freckles, concealer to hide the late nights, highlighter on the cheekbones that didn't need highlighting. On this theater mask face, she painted bright features, then tied her hair back and flipped on a pink wig. With the addition of a brown-colored contact in her blue eye, she was unrecognizable. She sculled the last of her coffee, padded back into the bedroom, and hunted through her costume drawer. Red or black would be too harsh for the message he wanted. It would land better coming from someone who looked soft and sweet. She selected a mint green teddy in stretch lace and pulled off her pajamas. There was a rattle on the landing outside as her neighbor left the unit next door. The street was relentlessly gentrifying, but the newcomers were still outnumbered by originals. People like Seth, who somehow contributed to the endless flow of old TV sets, busted couches, and stray cats that appeared overnight on the side of the road. Based on the time she'd seen him painstakingly empty his wheelie bin, lay the contents out on the driveway, and then meticulously put them back in, she was pretty sure he was a mental health outpatient, but he'd never cause any trouble. Still, she suddenly wanted a protective layer around her. She pulled on the teddy and added knee-high socks and a fluffy shrug. What a mashup. A half-European, half-Chinese Harajuku girl. She set up the camera, threw her pajamas out of shot, and sat on the bed. The sooner she ate this frog, the sooner she could eat breakfast. She pressed record. Hi, sweetie. I've been thinking about you. After calling in sick, he instantly felt better. Despite taking all ten of his sick days each year, he'd never had anyone question him. And his gastro bug had been accepted with a muted, I hope you feel better soon. With his pallid skin and tall man's hunch, he had a naturally unhealthy appearance. His manager probably thought he suffered from some kind of chronic disorder. But his only real health issue was a persistent case of athlete's foot he was too macho to medicate. He lay in bed playing Battlefield 4 until he was pretty sure he was the only person still at home. He left his room, creaked over the floorboards into the kitchen, and made himself some toast. 
He always felt watched in this house. Perhaps it was the spindly trees outside, peering in through the windows like Slenderman. Perhaps it was the ghost of Edwin Fuller, the nutter who lived here during the 1880s, until he shot himself in the girl next door. And the house was always making some kind of weird noise, like that creepy wooden moan of someone on the stairs. Oh, crap. Aaron was home. Jesus. It was impossible to get any privacy around here. Good morning, Aaron sang. He put his toast on and rattled around in the cupboards before spotting the jar of Marmite on the bench. Is that my Marmite? Crispin chewed awkwardly. It's shared Marmite, isn't it? No, it's mine. That's why I keep it on my shelf. Crispin scrolled through his phone, leaving a buttery smear on its face. Sorry, man. Are you running late? Aaron leant against the bench with irritating grace. His face was nothing special. But he was somehow able to lure a woman back to his bed Saturday after Saturday, their moans rising into a ceiling and through Crispin's floor. I'm working from home. Cool. I'm off to class. Catch you later. The door closed, and Crispin checked the event listing. The number of attendees had climbed 200% overnight. He searched for a reporter he thought might be sympathetic, and sent him a message. Rally at Maya's Park. 5 p.m. this evening. You won't want to miss it. She washed the makeup away and changed back into Veronica Wu, a brand carefully constructed to convey intelligence, discipline, and artistic spirit. The small, neat studio she'd set up in the second bedroom lent itself to small, neat ways of working. She created gouache and pencil artworks in the same muted color palette as her wardrobe. Her images wove bodies and fabrics together unexpectedly. Pale, pointy elbows emerging from patchwork skirts. Dark calves protruding from gingham headdresses. Scorpions and monkeys, her two zodiac signs, could often be found in her work. From subtle banana patterns to dominating stingers. In this particular painting, you couldn't tell where the monkey ended and the scorpion began, or if the hybrid beast was friend or foe. Exploring identity politics was topical, intellectual, and controversial, but it was hard to know if that's what the judges would be looking for. There'd only be three female National Art Award winners in the past 25 years, and if the judges preferred more overtly masculine themes, she wouldn't be able to rely on the quality of her ideas to win. She'd have to be more technically proficient than any of the other competitors. And she would be. Because no one wanted the recognition, or the 25k, more than she did. 
It was amazing what her exotic honey followers would pay for, but she was sick of reading them their warped bedtime stories. She was absorbed in applying tiny macaque footprints to a woman's blouse when she heard the knock at the door. Midday already? Ryan stood on her doorstep, grinning. He carried the picnic box and rug familiar to her after four months of courtship. Hi, V. You look beautiful, he said, spreading the blanket on the floor of the lounge and opening the basket with a flourish. Wow, I thought you were just going to bring sushi or something. Sourdough, gruyere, artichoke hearts. You know me too well. Dolmates, olives, cherry tomatoes. How did last night go? It was huge. The lighting was incredible, the music. The only hitch was that... Two nominees turned up wearing the same dress. Oh, no. Liz ran over with some samples. We got it sorted before the ceremony started. He returned to the picnic basket and pulled out a bottle. What else have we got here? Bubbles? <laughs> I can't. I'm working. A tiny tipple with your favorite event manager? He raised an expressive eyebrow. A teeny tiny one. You deserve to celebrate. I'm not celebrating the awards. He popped the cork and poured them each a glass. Cheers. I'm celebrating my test results. Oh? I'm in the clear, he said, raising his glass again. Oh, cool. So, I was thinking we should organize something special. A night on Waikiki Island, perhaps. Sure, that'd be nice. Veronica looked down and traced the check of the picnic blanket with the base of her champagne flute. Each square was made up of nine smaller squares. She'd have to use the pattern in a painting sometime. Next weekend? I'd love to, but I'll be finishing my entry. Weekend after that? Veronica picked up the Gruyere and studied the packaging. I might be a bit tired after getting my painting away. Okay. When works for you? Cow's milk. Cultures. Salt. She dragged her eyes from the label and looked up at him. Actually, I need you to do another test. No, I'm covered for all the STIs. I even got a blood test, and you got yours too, right? Right. So we're totally good to go. I mean, I need you to do a different test. Ryan put his glass down. A different test? It shouldn't be a big deal. Are you kidding? You're kidding, right? It won't take long. What kind of test? Just... It sounds crazy. What test? 
an intelligence test, a psychometric test? You've known me long enough, haven't you? What do you want me to do now, walk over burning coals? She pressed her lips together until they hurt. Ryan got up, knocking over his glass of champagne. Whatever. He strode to the door and walked out. She heard him clatter down the steps, slam the door of his car, and squeal away. Crispin ripped a dangling picket off the fence and clutched it like a vampire slayer. The fence had been falling apart since his mum bought him the house. She expected him to fix it up like some fucking alpha, but he liked its rugged appearance. He pulled a second picket off and held one in each hand as he trudged up the street and down Great North Road, his backpack thumping against his sweaty t-shirt. When he got to Myers Park, Seth was already sitting on a bench near the old arcade. Unmissable in his army surplus outfit, six-day stubble crawling over his face and neck. Hey, man, Crispin said. Anyone else here? Not yet. Crispin sat down. Perhaps getting here at three had been a mistake. Feel like a beer? Seth asked. Yeah, but I want us to be on our game. Still, they had to pass the time somehow. How about a coffee? Sure. I'll get it. Want to make a start on the signs? Crispin opened his bag and pulled out three pieces of cardboard, duct tape, and a marker pen. What kind of coffee do you have? Mochaccino, with marshmallows. Crispin turned and walked into the arcade. The place was filled with hipster chicks. He categorized them as he walked past. Blonde hair, white top? Cupcake. Full-sleeve tattoo, oversized glasses, snowflake, way-too-tight pin-up dress, land whale. The neat brown-haired girl behind the counter was more difficult to classify, until she touched his fingers as she passed his coffee in a move obviously calculated to put him off his game. Cupcake. He gave her a scornful look and sauntered back to the park. Seth had already finished two signs and taped them to the fence pickets. Don't mess with his tree. Stop demonizing men. Seth looked up. What do you think? Should demonizing have an S instead of a Z? Want me to do it again? I was going to write equalities, a feminist word for double standards, on the last sign. Yeah, nah, that's a good one. Do that. Seth had a few rough edges, but at least he was reliable. Crispin's grammar school friends had gone on to become surgeons, lawyers, and merchant bankers. They seemed to feel uncomfortable around him nowadays, as though he was a reminder of a freer path they could have chosen. He'd found more like-minded people online. 
people like Thor the God and Venom X, who turned up at quarter to five, ready to make things happen. By five o'clock, there were ten guys looking to Crispin to give orders. Hi, everyone. I'm Bloodbeard, he said, his red goatee a dead weed beneath his fingers. Thanks for coming. Sixty-three people said they were attending, and I'm expecting the media, too. So we'll give it until quarter past before we get going? By 5.15, one more protester had arrived, but another had left to pick his daughter up from daycare. Change of strategy, Crispin said. Instead of marching down Queen Street, we'll walk through Myers Park to Altia Square. Get people talking. He handed the signs out and pumped his fist in the air. Men's rights are human rights. Men's rights are human rights, Seth echoed. Men's rights are human rights, Crispin cried. Men's rights are human rights, said the group, sounding enthusiastic now. They marched through the park and into the square, where bemused-looking office workers swarmed past them without stopping. What's all this about? Meninists, are you? Crispin turned to see a policeman smirking at him from beneath his cap. Men's rights are human rights, Crispin said. All right, Freckles, move it along. We will not be moved, Crispin said. But Thor the God and Venomex were already walking away at a brisk pace. Veronica made another coffee and picked at the abandoned lunch. She'd fucked up. After Ryan had left, she'd made a mess of her painting, loading her brush with too much gouache and leaving a fat bead of paint on the otherwise flawless surface. Once she'd had a break, she'd be able to see if it was salvageable or not. She took a mouthful of Gruyere and picked up her phone. He was online. Hey, she wrote. There was a pause, and then his text bubble popped up. Hey. I'm sorry about before. Me too, he replied. Veronica pressed her lips together, not knowing what to say next. Are you still there? He asked. Yeah, I've got something to tell you. Okay. I ruined my painting. That sucks. Yeah. Is that what you wanted to tell me? No, something else. You can't tell anyone. I won't. As she typed, she realized she'd never written the words before. My dad isn't my real dad. Mom used a donor. It looked brutal. Written down in black and white. Hard out. They only told me two years ago. 
Have you met him? No, I don't know who he is. They got him through a clinic. There wasn't a register back then. That's crazy. All I know is that he's Caucasian like Dad. He's who you got your blue eye from. Yeah. That and my hips. Hey, so you might have brothers and sisters. Yeah, that's kind of why I haven't dated for the last two years. Oh. I mean, it's a small country. I get it. I'll pay for the test, if you're happy to do it. I haven't done mine yet. It'd be cool kind of do it together. Yeah, that would be cool. So you'll do it? Sure. But I've got a question. Hmm? How close is too close? Cousins okay? Not okay. Secondary question. You know we're around 2% Neanderthal, right? What if I turn out to be closer to 10%? That's fine, but I draw the line at 20%. Follow-up question. If we're not cousins, and I'm no more than 19% Neanderthal, will you go away for a romantic weekend with me? I'd love to. XXX. They slogged back up through Myers Park. Just the two of them now. Good rally, man. Whatever, muttered Crispin, shoving the signs into the nearest rubbish bin. Fuck his fence. Fuck everything. Passive resistance, that's my deal, Seth said. What, to do nothing? How does that change anything? Slowly, while they're not paying attention. They kept struggling against the hill, the heat, the humidity. A female jogger sped past and took the stairs two at a time, her ponytail bouncing. Seth pointed to her receding form. Girls like that are all like, Ooh, there's a man drought. I can't find anyone to marry me. But there's plenty of men. We just don't want to put up with their bullshit. High above them in the arcade, Crispin saw the brown-haired waitress clearing plates from the table by the bay window. Bitches, he cried. Bitches think they control everything. They've got their IVF, they've got their fancy jobs. They think they can do everything without fathers, without men. Well, guess who's having the last laugh? They're building artificial wombs now, you know that? Between that and sex robots, we don't need them at all. They finally made it to the top of the park. 
Seth lifted his hand in a salute and scuttled down some shortcut towards his dingy unit. Crispin continued on home, where, unwatched by anyone other than Edwin Fuller's ghost, he made Marmite on toast for dinner. What a day. He collapsed on his bed and checked his phone. There was a message from Exotic Honey. He opened it, and she appeared on his screen, her hair framing her face in pink bunches. Hi, sweetie. I've been thinking about you, she cooed, and he leant back against his pillows. I've been thinking about what a lame, sad-ass loser you are. Her bright pink lips twitched sympathetically, but she stayed on script. You're scrawny, you're weak, and you're losing at life. You're a sponge and a moocher. You're a pathetic ginger creep, and you'll never amount to anything. Once it was over, Crispin fell into an empty early evening sleep. His brown eye and his blue eye closed against the world. The Pet Podcast was written by Catherine Van Beek and produced at ORFM, Autopoti Dunedin. Music is by Jolin Mulholland. The intros and outros are read by me, Tina Turntables. Thank you to Creative New Zealand and New Zealand On Air for making this podcast possible. You can listen again and find further episodes of Pet at ORFM. That's oar.org.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.